Hey there, this is Red Zone Redemption, a fantasy football podcast, part of the Roto Heat Network. Make sure you follow us on your preferred podcasting network. We should be on there. And this is your host, FF Shane B. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Thanks. Welcome to Red Zone Redemption. I'll be your host for the night, Shane, and you can follow me on Twitter at FFShaneB. And with me tonight is a top 10 Fantasy Pros ranker and senior writer for the QB list. And you guessed it, an Eagles fan extraordinaire. It is the one, the only, Drew DeLuca. And Drew, I'm just telling you, you're lucky I'm having you on the show as an Eagles fan. I hate the Eagles. I will apologize <laughs> for that now. But I do appreciate you coming on. How you doing tonight? I'm doing great. It's fine. You can hate all you want. You know, we're used to that in Philadelphia. No one, what's to say? No one likes us. We don't care. So that's the that's the rallying cry of Eagles fans everywhere. So it's a pleasure to, pleasure to be here, even though you hate, hate my fan, my team. So it's great. Or you guys don't even like like you, right? Like Eagles fans don't even like each other. Depends on the day, you know. So yeah. Well, cool, man. Thanks for coming yeah. on again. What we're doing tonight, tonight, folks, is a is second part of the series. You know, we started with the AFC at le- AFC East last week for our divisional previews. So now we're jumping across the uh, division or conference, if you will, and go to the NFC East. And obviously we've got to have an NFC East fan on there. And that is where Drew is coming in. And I'm really excited. It's the first time we've done a pod together. I've really done any content together. So I'm really excited. We've been in a couple group chats before and I appreciate the the candor that we've had back and forth. So oh, yeah. Drew, you listened to the show last from last week. We are going to do the same format this time where we do a quick mock, probably picking about 12 players. We may go a little longer depending on timing. And then we're going to kind of review that and review ADP overall, which reminds me I need to pull that actually up from Fantasy Pros and just kind of review like who are we buying based on either our draft or ADP? Who are we selling? Who's a sleeper? And who are we holding? And so, and then after that, we'll do an, an, an I can't even talk, man. I It's a four-day work week for me because I was off on Monday for my daughter's birthday. And that's just like, I think I've run out of words because I've had to cram everything in a short period of time. Analyst analysis is what we will wrap the show up with. So, are you ready? Ready. Okay. Before we get into that, what is one fantasy tip that can save your season? All right. So, I'd say be wary of take lock and that's twin brothers sucking cost fallacy. So they cost us to hold on to players for far too long. So it, I like taking a swing in a high ceiling, super low floor player towards the tail end of your draft and allows a little roster churn. So that way you're not holding on to somebody more than you should. And if you find yourself having that attachment, you still have the ability to kind of chuck someone aside and grab that, you know, that free agent flyer that you're thinking about. And then, you know, you, you don't do it and because you wanted to, you're hoping that whoever you have is going to turn into something and they don't. And and you're kicking yourself for that. So but we have to be careful not to hold on to people too long. And, um, you know, sometimes we kind of, well, I spent a high pick on him. So, you know, you know, he's going to, you know, the mid round pick in eighth, seventh or eighth round, you got to hold on to a little longer than I should. So no, those are after a while. And when people start showing you what they are, you know, let them go, you know, pick up somebody else. And I think that's, that's the big thing right there, especially, I think it's a bigger kind of constraint, if you will, or bigger issue in dynasty leagues, especially when you're yeah, talking about year to year things. So. But that's definitely my, my, my one takeaway is to watch out for take lock and something cost file fallacy. Cool. I I feel like you're talking directly to me right now because there's a couple of leagues where I got to get under the roster limit. And I know it's June. You don't have to do it yet. But I'm looking to see who am I going to cut? Who am I looking to cut in my dynasty leagues? And I feel like you're talking directly to me. So I appreciate this, <laughs> actually. And this is just this is life advice, not even just fantasy cool. advice. When someone shows you who they are, believe them, is what I have. So there's some little life nuggets for you people too from the Red Zone Redemption. (laughs) All right, Drew, let's jump into this mock. You being the guest, I'll let you pick first. It's one QB and it's dynasty perspective. So who are you taking as the the essential 101 of the NFC East? Well, I know it's only one quarterback, but since it is dynasty and you get to have him for the rest of his career, I'll probably take QB1, Jalen Hurts. I know it's only one quarterback, but to me, there's just such a huge 
tier break between the Jalen Hurts and the next two to three quarterbacks that are there. So I, I don't I don't think there's a bigger drop between one player and another like there is in that quarterback spot. So for our purposes, I'll take Hurts here. Wouldn't do this in a typical one quarterback draft, but here we are. No, I I like it, and I've kind of come to the theory where even in just fantasy football in general, whether it's redraft or dynasty, you really, even in one QP, you really need to have that top six-ish quarterback to really have have a shot at contending, I feel like. Like, you can maybe get away, like if your roster is absolutely loaded, you could get away with a back half QB1 and one QB and probably contend and make the championship and, and win. But if you've got that top half QB, like even if some other positions are a little bit weaker, that top half QB can really set you apart, especially with the what we've seen from guys like Mahomes, Hertz, and Josh Allen the last few years. So right. I, yeah, I mean, I agree. Yeah, t- especially in 12, 12 team leagues and larger for sure. That that becomes an even bigger delineator there for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. So I and I love Jalen Hurts. Like I'm an Auburn fan, so I saw him a bunch at Alabama. He is the kind of guy that you want your daughters to marry when they grow up. So I, I, despite him being from Alabama and an Eagles fan, I do root for Jalen Hurts pretty strongly. So I like the pick. All right, I will. Uh, I'll stick to one of my fandoms here, and I'm going to go CD Lamb here. I'll, some people have him as dynasty wide receiver three. I think it technically in my rankings, he is actually as wide receiver seven right now, uh, but he's behind like Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, and Stephon Diggs from a veteran standpoint. If you take out the old guys, he's wide receiver four. Yeah. So yeah, I got him as my wide receiver six. I think. That's a great, I think it's a great pick. That's something I'm looking to take him there. So yeah, I, I guess really, now I'm back. Yeah. I was worried you might take him at one over one yeah. overall. I was like, oh, please don't take CD. I really just want to dress. Like, <laughs> so yeah, you are back up with the next pick. All right. I will go with, I'll take Barkley. Saquon Barkley. Ooh, that's a good pick. Yeah. I think he's still, he's just entering his prime. Really, I think he really showed us last year that any, Lingering issue from that knee is long gone in the rear view. He's one of the few workhorse backs that's still around. He's he gets it done in the in you know the ground and in the air. I st- I know they added a bunch of r- wide receivers to the Giants. They will talk about that later on in the show. But to me, he's still the heart and soul of that offense. So I think I think I don't think you can go wrong there. I like that a lot, yeah. and I think. I mean, obviously, you took him as the first running back off the board, but I feel like if I'm remembering. Like, he's the best running back by a long shot. Like, I'm not really a Tony Pollard guy. Mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see what he does kind of being the RB1 in Dallas, if that stays that way. But I think he's, Barkley's kind of clear-cut number one in that division by mm-hmm. a pretty good, pretty good state. Yeah. All right, I'm going to stick with the wide receiver theme here. And oh, Hold on, I need to look at one quick thing before I make this pick official. That's all I need to see. I'm gonna take AJ Brown here. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was gonna say it's a great pick. So he's fantastic. He's a phenomenal player. He's next time. Next time, my board for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's old, and he's still only 25, and I think he's in what year four, if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> I think just with the way that Philly offense is going and the way that he plays, like he's gonna be a producer from a fantasy perspective. Potentially for like eight more years, which is nuts. Uh, but AJ Brown's the pick here, and I think it, it's—I won't say it's not close because that's just stupid. But it's—it's it's a pretty easy pick, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's the right one, I think. And I'm gonna—I'm gonna stick with the Eagles, the wide receiver court. I'm gonna go Devonta Smith. That was honestly, uh, yeah. I was checking AJ Brown's age before I went with him because if mm-hmm. it was—and this may sound dumb. But if he was 26, I was probably actually going to go Devontae. But he, him still being 25, I don't know. I was, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm cool take. Yeah, Devontae Smith's his ADP in best ball is really high. But it, I think it's some people think it's a little too high. I think it's completely justified. I said this. I was on a, a pod with Jake Trowbridge on earlier in the week, and we were talking about the <laughs> NFC. So they pointed out that Devontae Smith's done nothing but break records his two years in the NFL for the Philadelphia Eagles. His first year, he set a record. 
for most receptions by a wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles and by a rookie for wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles. And that franchise has been around for 90 years. So, and then he followed that up last year by catching more passes than any wide receiver at any point in their careers in a single season. So he, no, no wide receiver has caught more passes in a season than Devonta Smith, and he's just getting warmed up. So he's entering yeah. you now his year three season. So I'm super excited with that pick right there. Yeah, that's a great, great pick. The Slim Reaper. If, uh, that's mm-hmm. his nickname, right? Yep. Yeah, love it. Yeah. Him and Kevin Durant should have should have taken that nickname. Yeah, I'm just saying. But okay, I think I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball here, just a little bit, and I'm going to take someone that I feel like people are sleeping on in the division and on your team. And that is DeAndre Swift. Okay. I I love DeAndre Swift. I loved him in Detroit. I love him on the Eagles. And I don't like... When he's on the field, he's a monster from a fantasy perspective. And I think that just gives the Philly offense another dimension to get even stronger on offense. Like, they were really freaking good on offense last year. And Miles Sanders, who I don't think is very good, was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And now you get an upgrade in talent at the running back position with DeAndre Swift from an overarching standpoint. Give me that all day. And so mm-hmm. I feel it. And I think people are really, really worried about his injury history. And I'm not. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being stubborn. But... He's played in 13 thir- games, 13 games, and 14 games when he was in Detroit. So he's missing two to three games. Name me a player that plays running back in the NFL <laughs> that over their three-year career has not missed a game two or three at some point, right? Yeah, it's a very short list, yeah. Exactly. And I'll say this too, he's also in a contract year as well. So he's got he's got that going for him as well. So yeah, it's definitely, I think it's a, it was a very shrewd pickup by the Eagles. I was... Obviously overjoyed when when I when we got the news that the draft day, and I, I didn't think anyone could, anything but a top last year's draft day when the Eagles got AJ Brown, and then this year was just was just phenomenal. The the draft day, the job they, Howie Roseman's been doing with this team, putting it to pieces together, just just an outstanding. So, yeah, I like we that pick. To, it's it's yeah. We need to change y'all's name to the Philadelphia Bulldogs because you have bunch <laughs> of Bulldogs. Like it's ridiculous yeah. at this point. Yeah. So yeah, no 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 complaints with that pick. So. The only compete, only con- we'll talk a little about this later. The only concern I have is hoping that the Eagles go away from their rotation, yeah, that kind of approach that they've had before. But I think when you add a guy with this kind of talent, I think that gives more than enough reason for optimism. So, uh, well, all right, I'm going to go. Go ahead. I was just going to say before you make your next pick, yeah. one thing that I've noticed and I've tried to point it out, especially on Twitter, is like the NFL is going more towards the committee back in general. Yeah. But that's mm-hmm. still giving us fantasy relevant players. Even with guys who have a total snap share of between 60 and 70%, that's that's becoming more of a bell cow back now in the NFL than guys that have 70, 80, 90% of the snap share. And so guys like DeAndre Swift, Travis Etienne, heck, I'll throw Tony Pollard in there just for kicks and giggles. Austin Eckler, even though Eckler's kind of the bell cow there, like, those guys can all be fantasy relevant even with 60% snap share. And so even if they do have kind of that rotation, like I'm not really worried about Swift because I think his talent will, like you said, bring him to the top. Yeah. yeah. So love it. Who's your next pick? I will. Hmm. I think I'm going to stick with, with the running back position. I'll, I'll take Pollard. I'll get, I'll take Tony Pollard from, from Dallas. So, I'm not as high on him as some, just because I worry that, you know, with an expanded role that his efficiency might take a hit, but his talent is undeniable and he's in a smash situation. So, and, and he's already shown us he's got talent and now he has, you add opportunity to that. So this, this is going to be, this, he's either going to be okay or he's going to be phenomenal. So at this point in the draft, I'll take the sway that he's going to be phenomenal. No, I like that. And I think that's a good spot for him to, his ADP was a little bit higher than Swift's, and it was 
it was just a little more, a little too high for me to be comfortable taking him. Like they have him as RB seven on Fantasy Pros for PPR ADP right now, and that's just a little too high for me. So I, I, but I like the spot that you're taking him in quite a bit. All right. Yeah, I'm part of the problem. I think I have him. I think I might have him as RB eight for me. So I'm, I'm, I'm fairly high on him compared to. To the others, but a lot of it, like I said, has to do with that fact that we're talking about talent and opportunity, yeah. and that's just kind of you're creating that perfect storm of a of a potential season. So I think at worst he's a low end, you know, running back one, and he has you know league winning upside, you know, if, if all things go right. Yeah, so. absolutely. Does it hurt you to take a Dallas player? No, I'm I'm kind of desensitized to it at this point in time, so I'm able to kind of yeah you, you, you kind of have to learn to kind of do that as you're doing this, as you know, you've been, you've been doing this for a long time. You gotta, you have, I you know you have to be okay with leave without with leaving a draft with none of your favorite teams' players and at least one or two of a team that you hate. So that's kind of this, yeah, that's just part of the stick to success, I think. Absolutely. Okay, I've been off of wide receiver long enough. I'm gonna swing back to wide receiver. Oh, I just thought of someone else, but I'm gonna go Terry McLaurin here and hope you don't have the same realization that I just did. There's a couple people actually now that I'm thinking of, but I'm going Terry McLaurin here. Wide receiver one for the commanders. Even though he's 27, the kid just balls. Like he's continued to produce with subpar quarterback play. I'm really excited about Sam Howell personally. I don't know about you, but I love Sam Howell. Didn't understand why he dropped in the draft. And so pairing him with Terry McLaurin. Yeah. Okay. I'll let you talk about that too. But I absolutely love Terry McLaurin's potential situation. I think other than the, because he, I think he had a year with Ryan Fitzpatrick before he retired. I think this might be the best quarterback play he's going to get. And that's probably a hot take, but it's one I'm willing to stick by. So what do you think of the Terry McLaurin pick? And then let me know what you think about Sam Howell too here. Well, I like the pick a lot. I have him as a top 24 wide receiver. So he's going to be a starter every week, no matter what your format is. He's, I think, I think he's as steady as they come. I think Al is a lot more secure in his job. And some people are stating right now, there's some, there's some buzz going around that maybe Jacoby Brissett would be battling him in camp for that. I don't see that. I think Brissett kind of really is kind of a kill switch that where something goes wrong then he can step in and run the offense in the way that they're used to a cup running it because how's a lot more mobile that people get credit for. He gets, yep. he moves very well and he lost a lot of talent, like between his junior and senior years, I guess it was, or his last two years at, <laughs> at UNC. And he still, he still produced. I mean, he did a lot more with his legs than he did with his arm and going in, you know, year before he came out, he was the QB one of the draft. And all of a sudden he's chopped liver after still managing to get it done uh, without. Yeah. Similar yeah. passing numbers, lesser yeah. talent, mm-hmm. better rushing numbers. I yeah. don't understand why he. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't get it either. And I think PFF was were among those that had him as their QB one in that draft. So a lot of most people had Pickett and Malik Willis higher than than Howell did. So I, I had Howell in my top three. Some people didn't even have him in their top three or top five, which I thought was just absolutely insane. But yeah, I think he's in a great spot right now. He's got a good receiving core around him. I really like the enemy coming in there, working with him. I think I think that it, it might take him a little time to get used to the system. It's a little more complicated, I think, than probably than what they were running before. But I, I believe in the talent. I believe in his talent. And I believe in the talent around him. So if that offensive line stays healthy, then I think he could. He's really going to surprise some people. I completely yeah. agree with you, man. I'm still, like, yeah. Seriously, you started talking about how he lost the talent between his. It was a sophomore in his junior year. So I I know I've talked about this on this podcast before, so I'm sorry for repeating myself, but just so like, and I know Drew knows it, but like he went from a stable of weapons that included Javante Williams, Michael Carter, Deami Brown, and Daz Newsom to no running back of significance. I think they used a running back by committee at UNC. And then he had Josh Downs, and I love Josh Downs. Dude mm-hmm. is a baller. Um, mm-hmm. He's one of those guys that I'm going to fall in love with because he's always open. But Howell, that was Howell's only weapon of substance. And he still had similar passing numbers, 
And like we talked about, he upped his rushing numbers because he had to. He had no other choice. Mm-hmm. So seriously, you just made me so happy. <laughs> Very much. All right. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. No, go ahead. No, I'll just say I'll, I'll, I'll move on with the next pick because yeah. I'm going to stick with this theme. And I was kind of hoping that you were going to take McLaurin because I actually have Jahan Dotson ranked one spot ahead of McLaurin in my rankings. Oh, so in my, and that's my, that's my redraft rankings. I think he's going to have a monster year and being, what is he, 22, 23? He's super young. Maybe uh, 22. Let me go look. Yeah. Yeah. He's, 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 he, I tell you, I was not sold on him coming out. I, I knew he was good at Penn state, but he really showed me something last year. He made a believer out of me down the stretch. I look at the, you look at the snap share or the snap shares and also the target shares. Look at the target shares down the stretch. I guess it was around week 13 or so. They just started to, to making a commitment to getting him involved in the game plan. And he was like 20% target share from week 13 all the way out. And Mc, even McLaurin didn't have 20% target share every game from that point out. So there were games where he was the wide receiver one over McLaurin. So I, I'm, I'm super high on him. He's an electric player. He's super talented. And I'm very, very excited to have him. I have so many shares of him in best ball right now. I think he's super, super, super under undervalued. And I'm, I have him a lot as my wide receiver four. And it just, it just feels like stealing, I think, right now. So I uh, just, the way, the way that th- this is looking for him. So I think it's a, a perfect situation. And I'm, I'm very, very excited for Dotson this year. Dude, I, I knew I liked you, Drew. I knew that I liked you. <laughs> but I will say, you should have just listened to this podcast more because I've been in on Dotson for a while. And it's because of my Auburn fandom, unfortunately. <laughs> Auburn's defense has been really good for the past couple of years, especially in their secondary. And you can see that kind of with what they've put in the NFL. They've got Noah Igbenogany, Carlton Davis, and Jamel Dean, and a few other guys in this that play in the in the league in the secondary. And now I don't think Iggy might have been there when they played Penn State, but his last year at Penn State, Auburn played them. I think it was at Penn State, and Sean Clifford was the quarterback. And if you know anything about Sean Clifford, he's hot garbage. Yes, that's it. And Jahan Dotson made him look like uh, like Tom Brady. I don't know. Like, any time that Clifford was in trouble, Dotson got open and made a play. And it was against Auburn's staunch defense that he was doing it. I was like, can we just cover the guy? Like, they don't have anyone <laughs> else to go to right now. Just cover him. And he just, he continued to cook us. So I watched film after that and continued to kind of follow him. And I was like, yeah, this, I mean, this kid's the real deal. So I love your Dotson call here. Great pick. Thank you. All right. What you got for me? And it may be another curveball for you. I don't know. I actually thought of someone different before I thought of this person. And I'm hoping that you don't realize who the other person is, but I'm probably tipping my hand. I am going to go Dallas Goddard here. Ah. I don't know if I could type, that'd be great. So Goddard, <laughs> Goddard should truly be in that top six to seven tight ends conversation. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like he kind of gets forgotten, but he, the production is there. I think it's going to continue to be there. And so and he's maybe 28, if I had to guess. Mm-hmm. He's 28, my, yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean... He's still, if if we're looking at Travis Kelsey, he's still got, what, five years at least left? And mm-hmm. he's already produced at a tight end one level. Tight end is one of those positions that if you don't, I always say, if you don't go great, then you go late. And I, I'm throwing Dallas Goddard into the great conversation at this point because he's consistently produced at that level. So I'm going Dallas Goddard here for my next pick. What do you think? I'm, I think I, I like it. I think I'm of two schools of thought with tight end, and that is jump on them early and get an elite producer or just, you know, play the waiting game and see what scraps left over and see what yep. you can put together and just load up other positions. So he's kind of in the middle of that conversation, but I'm okay with taking a swing on him where most people are because of the fact that he has that elite upside and he's in a high volume offense or high, high, high efficiency offense as well. He's going to see a lot of red zone, red zone targets. So he's... 
usually mismatch in the red zone as well. Mm-hmm. So, and he, he gets a ton of volume too. So he, I, I have no problems at all with that pick. He was my top tight end. He's by far, in my opinion, the top tight end in this in this division. Yep. And I I have him. I think is my with a tight end five. I think this and in dynasty, he's a top ten, top five tight end in dynasty for me. And he's what I think top six. I think in in redraft. So I think it's a terrific pick. And he's. I think he's for. I think for the for the price where you're getting him usually because I'm when I'm getting him he's usually falling and I'm getting him in a value spot. I'm usually quite happy when I end up with him when end up with him on my team. Hundred percent. All right. Don't snipe me. Who are you taking here? All right. Well, I need to tie a tight end too. And since you just took Goddard away from me and just robbed my, robbed my, robbed me and just, just kicked me in the soul, I'm going to have to go with a guy that I probably wouldn't, would or shouldn't take. And that's Darren Waller, who is, who's the next, to my opinion, the only tight end of significance left in the entire division. But I, I kind of want a tight end to, to, to go with here. So we, I, I got a quarterback, a pair of running backs, a pair of receivers. So definitely need that tight end. The Waller to me is the the pick here. It's the it's the pick I like the least of the ones I've made so far. I I don't have a lot of confidence he's going to stay healthy because he hasn't shown us that he can. He's learning a new system, a new offense, within trying to build rapport with a new quarterback. So there's a lot of things that are working against him. But man, is he talented? He's so 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 talented. He's a great athlete. He's a tremendous football player. He's a he's he's a magician when he gets the ball, and he's just a you know a man among boys. So I'm willing to to take him at this point and see what happens. And in, in a situation where like Waller and Manage League, I don't have any trepidation about taking Waller and Manage Leagues because if something happens, you can just you know fill the spot until he's healthy, Th- throw him on your IR, whatever the whatever the case might be. Yeah. But when he's in there, he's going to produce at a high level. So. Yeah. No, I love this pick, and I honestly be I think people are almost forgetting that like he was traded to the Giants even. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think because of the way that the last two years have kind of gone for him, that people are completely writing him off. And I think he's the second, I mean, he's clearly the second best tight end in the division um, mm-hmm. behind Goddard. And I think you got a great pick here. And like you said, if he does go down with injury, which he's been prone to do lately, you can go pick up someone to fill that gap for however long he's out. So I absolutely love this pick, and I was hoping that you might let him fall to me again. He was who I thought of when I picked McLaurin, and I was like, oh, Darren Waller's there. And then I was like, oh, Dallas Goddard's there. I'm going <laughs> Goddard first if he's still there. So I I love the pick. Great job. Thank you. And now I am – I'm going to wrap the draft up here, and just to fill out my roster, I will take a quarterback, and I'm going to take that. Oh, he's clear-cut number two for me. If he's healthy, he's got, I mean, we've seen him put QB2 overall numbers up before. So we know he's got that ceiling. Do I think that's likely? Not necessarily. But if they get, the offensive line's the biggest factor for me for Dallas. Offensive line is fine. Dak's going to have time to throw. And I think he'll he'll be fine and can beat QB1 pretty easily. I feel like. He's got those games where he'll score 40 fantasy points for you, and you're like, where the hell did that come from? But thank you. <laughs> and then usually I feel like he's around like 17 points a game, something like that, maybe a little lower. But he's still he's decently consistent. So I'll take Dak here, and I'll be pretty happy with it. Yeah, see, I thought you were going to go with, with, with maybe, I, didn't, I wasn't sure, I didn't realize you needed a quarterback, so I thought you were going to go with Cooks, but I think Cooks actually helps Dak. Yeah. yeah I, I, feel I, feel like that's, I feel like that's good. I think it's good for Lamb, too, to have somebody on the side who... Who you know, who forces defense to respect them, so uh, you know draws a little attention away. So, but uh, yeah, I I don't I don't know that Dak has that ceiling anymore because a lot of it was predicated on his ability to move and make plays in the run and you know rack up yards with his legs. So I don't know that he has the ceiling anymore, but he certainly has a high floor. Uh, so yeah, I don't think you can go wrong with taking Dak for sure. So we'll we'll get into it a little bit later. But I actually have Daniel Jones ahead of him on my rankings there for the division. Just From because a perspective, I don't from fantasy perspective, his yeah. rushing floor, like yeah, yeah, instant. Yep, we'll we'll talk about that later. Yeah, but I, I, they're not far apart, so they're pretty close, I think. So, but and that's and you're looking either way. You're either way. You're looking at potential upside of you know of a very solid quarterback one. So I think it's a matter. I think uh, Dak for me has a higher floor than Jones. So I think that's probably a smart pick in that, in that regard. All right. Well, that wraps up our quick little mock draft. And so just so we can recap it easily for the listeners, it was Jalen Hurts, one, C.D. Lamb, two, Devontae Smith, 
Nope. Saquon Barkley, three. A.J. Brown, four. Devontae Smith, five. DeAndre Swift, six. Tony Pollard, seven. Terry McLaurin, eight. Jahan Dotson, nine. Dallas Goddard, 10. Darren Waller, 11. And Dak Prescott, 12. So now we will move into the buy, sell, hold, and sleeper part of the show. And this is actually what this series was born off of, Drew. So I've been doing this series for three years now. And what I used to do is just say I'd bring on a uh, fan from the division who's an, an analyst typically and be like, okay, give me a buy, give me a sell, give me a hold, and give me a sleeper from the division. And so this year I wanted to throw in the little mock draft just because I feel like it's fun. But who are who is your buy in for the NFC East? And you can base it off of our draft or off of ADP. Well, I would say if, if we're going to base it off of our draft, I'm going to go with with Sam Howell because he wasn't taken. But there's a there is a non-zero chance. In fact, there's a realistic possibility that he ends up as the QB two in the division this year if all goes according to plan. And and Dak and Daniel Jones don't come close to hitting that ceiling, which is the stake possible. All those things are distinct possibilities. So I think in a, in a, in a super flex league. I'm in particular, I'm looking at Hal as a buy for sure, because I think I think he's going to be the quarterback. I think he's going to pan out. I think he's going to be there for a while. And I think you're able to get him now for a not a song, but a, a, definitely a, a, a reasonable asking price. So yeah. that's that's my that's my my ADP base or, or excuse me, that's my buy our pick draft. based on. Yeah, based on our draft for sure. But based on ADP, it's Dotson for me. We've already talked a lot about Dotson. So I won't beat the dead horse on that one, but those that would be my uh, my buys go sticking right to the commanders right there. <laughs> nice. I like it. I am going to base mine, I think, really off of both ADP and our draft. Let me go look at something real fast. Yeah, I'm going to go. You've almost talked me into it. I'm going to go Dak Prescott, though. Again, I took him as the 11th player or the, yeah, the 11th player off of the board. No, 12th player off the board well, yeah. in mm-hmm. our draft. And based on Fantasy Pro's ADP, he's going as QB 10 and about 79th overall. If my math is right, that's about the 6th or 7th round, mm-hmm. if my math's right. And that just feels like a really, really cheap price to pay for someone who, again, like you and I talked about, his QB2 overall ceiling's probably not there. But drafting him as QB10 and him finishing at QB5 or 6 feels like somewhere in the realistic realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. Everything would have to go right, obviously, but I still think he's there. And like we talked about, he's got that super, super high floor because he's just consistent. And so I I love Dak, love the, the, the story of, of his career. And uh, I love where you can get them on an ADP and in our mock draft. So Dak is my buy right now. All right. Respect that. I, I, I actually have him for mo- moving in our next segment, the cells. I actually have him as, my, as myself. Nice. Okay, <laughs> so, tell me why. But, so I have him just because I have him as the, well, I guess last year he was a QB 18, I think it was. Okay. Of, uh, right around that, in that area. And I don't, like we said, I, I think his high ceiling years are over can he finish as a qb1 and even a mid-tier qb1 for sure but i think for me if i'm in a dynasty perspective especially with dynasty if i can get something for dak I, on the name and on you know on the, on the projection of what he can be this year what you're, you're what you're saying if i can find someone who's willing to give me a, a top premium price for that then i'm taking that you know, it's going to, it's going to involve a first, you know, at least a first and probably yeah. players. So I feel like I can get a, probably a pretty good haul for Dak right now. And I don't think that the person who's getting Dak is going to get the best years in his career. I think that that was, it probably would have happened on my team or someone else's before. So I feel like if I can trade a player for that kind of value and, and know that, you know, I feel like I've catched in on his best years then I think that's kind of the name of the game in Dynasty is, you know, you're, you're buying low and selling high. So for me, that's where it is. But that I do recognize and I do tip my hat to the possibility that Dak could definitely produce at a QB1 level for multiple years to come. I just kind of feel like that we're kind of towards the probably the the, the tail end of his peak production, if you will. Yeah. But I still think he could be good for a long time, if that makes sense. Yeah. So. No, that totally makes yeah. sense. And I, I don't 
based on what you said, like I don't fault you for selling him. Yeah. I do I I bleed a little bit of silver and blue. My dad was born, <laughs> my, my dad was born in Dallas. His dad was a, a Cowboys fan, so I've got a little bit of a Cowboys bias in mm-hmm. there, but I, I totally agree with what you're saying though. Like it makes sense of trying to capitalize while his value is still high enough to that it's yeah. close to that peak that people are like, mm-hmm. yeah, like was QB two yep. overall, like me, yep. like, you could sucker me into a deal for that. <laughs> so I get it. I'm actually going to go to his teammate and we already talked about him in the drafts too. Tony Pollard for me is a sell <laughs> and it has nothing to do with believing in the, the talent or the situation, but I feel like people are already baking that into his costs. And so it is super inflated right now. So I'm like, I will sell you for a first plus and be happy because even because he's 26 too. That's the other thing that I don't know if a ton of people realize or mm-hmm. factor into the situation. He's 26. I think he's going into year four or five. It might be a contract year for him. But you never should buy a running back on going into or on a second contract because mm-hmm. it hit the cliff. And so <laughs> that is kind of where my perspective is on Tony Pollard is like PPR, he's already ranked at RB7 for, for fantasy pros. And in our draft, he went at the, what was it, seventh player overall, I think, ironically enough. I think so. Yep. And so... I think you can get a really good return on him now. And I don't, I don't see him like blowing up in the first few weeks, really bumping that up any higher than it already is because people on Twitter are hyping him up. Like he's the second coming of Jesus Christ. And (laughs) I mean, he's good, but like you guys are already baking in the opportunity into his cost. So like, why are we like, what are we doing here? So I'm selling my collar. Yeah. I don't hate it at all. I, I, I love the rationale behind it. So I'm high on Pollard for 2023, Yeah, but we don't know what they're going to do in future years. They could come, they could bring it back in and run a, a two back offense. You know, they had something similar to that with Zeke and, and Pollard for a very long time and, and we're, ran that with some success. So we don't know what the future holds. So I think, yeah, with, this might be a one year deal where he gets that kind of opportunity. We don't know if he's going to hold up, like we said at the start. So I love it. I think it's a great call. So the only other one I had down was was DeAndre Swift, just just only because he's only because he's on a one year deal. Okay, we don't know where he's going to go next year, and if you can find someone who's willing to pay through the nose to get him, uh, to get him, then I think that it, it makes sense to sell him. I do like him this year, and if he does stick around, which is possible, he's a Philly guy. He's he's coming home. He's excited to be here. So we don't know what that contract situation, what those talks are going to be like going forward. But but you don't know. I mean, Miles Sanders, I think, landed on a beat in Carolina and ended up in a pretty good spot from a fantasy perspective. But no. there's no guarantee that if Swift leaves, that he'll be he'll find himself in a similar situation where he'd be, you know, the main dog. So so I think I think it's a I think I could see myself selling. I think I'm kind of on the fence for Swift between hold and sell. But it, it just all depends on you know what kind of offers I'm getting. That totally makes sense. All right, so let's move to the holds. I'm actually going to go first on this one. And mm-hmm. I want to talk about someone different. I was considering Swift as a hold, but you just covered him. Sorry. As your, <laughs> no, it's fine. Yeah. You may cover him as part of your hold too, but I'm going to go Terry McLaurin here. Like you said, you've got him as a top 24 wide receiver. I think there's there's always potential, I feel like, for Terry to finish in the top 12. Mm-hmm. there's also potential for him to finish just outside the top 24. That's just kind of what his his cards are. And he's 27 at this point. That's not old for receivers. They can typically play till they're 31 or 32 before they start to s- decline slower than most, than like running backs, for example. But this year is going to be very, very interesting because of the quarterback play. Like, who does Sam Howell have more chemistry with? Is it Terry McLaurin or is it Jahan Dotson? And that's where I'm kind of iffy just a little on Terry's value because if it is with Terry and Howell is as good as you and I both think, then his value goes up and then he can potentially actually become a sell. Mm-hmm. But if it's not with Terry, with Howell's chemistry is not with Terry, then Terry's value dips a little bit. And that's when I feel like he actually becomes a buy because he's still talented. Um, mm-hmm. 
I think he's still on a, a three-year deal somewhere in the middle of that. It might be year two of the, of the three-year deal. But with that being said, we've seen more movement in the NFL in the last two years than I think we have. And so Terry McLaurin could very easily be traded to a team, especially if the commanders, you know, wet the bed like probably will, to where Terry could be on a different team in a year. And that could be an even better situation where he could go somewhere. If for some reason Brandon Bean listens to this podcast, please don't listen to what I'm about to say. But if he ends up in Buffalo and he's the 1B to Stephon Diggs 1A, like I would love that for Terry McLaurin. Or if he went to Vegas and was the 1B to Devontae Adams 1A. Like, I feel like Terry is a one, but he's that one B kind of like with the Eagles. You've got AJ Brown and Devonte Smith where they're both good enough to be ones, but they complement each other so well that you don't really have a one a or a one B because they take the pressure off of each other because the defense has to pick who they're going to cover. And that's just the Philly offense in general. Make me mad, but (laughs) That's where I, that's my thoughts on Terry. That yeah. was really long winded and a tangent, but that's my th- why I'm holding Terry right now. What do you think of Terry? And then who is your hold? Oh, I like. I think you nailed the rationale for it. I think that's a great pick for this for this segment. I think McLaren is like you said. It's that's what you want in a hold. Somebody who you know either either goes up in value and then you can sell him, or he he goes down in value, or and then you you're kind of. Even if he goes down, though, I think even if he dips, he's not going to dip by much. And I don't think you're much worse off than where you are now. I still, I don't think his, I think he's got a high enough floor where even if he, even if Dotson is the guy, he's still going to see enough volume to be valuable. So I think it's a slight dip if, if Dotson becomes the guy. But the, like you said, if Hal hits and, and he does have that chemistry with McLaren, then you're able to sell him for significantly more, I think, than what you're getting right now. So I think that's a terrific call. Uh, So. For me, I had Hertz and Lamb, but they're boring. Um, so I'm gonna. We've already. There's. They're obvious to me. So I'm gonna go dig a little deeper here, and I'm gonna go with the combination of Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. Interesting. Because okay. be, because you're probably not gonna get a whole lot really for either one right now. You'll get maybe something of value, maybe. But here's the thing: if either one of them hits and becomes the primary or lead back. In an offense that you know does exceed expectations, you're going to be sorry that you sold. And if 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 they don't plan out, no big deal because you know chances is are probably not going to be out of league. Number one, and it's not like you're you know saying, "Oh man, I could have sold them for a first because you're not getting a first for either one of these guys. No. So I think I think the the risk reward proposition here makes both of those guys worthy holds, if you will, to see what happens. So. I think either one of them could become a screaming sell and make you, you know, very, very happy that you would held if it, so, and I, and I think that you can make a case for either one of these guys. So I just, I think both of them are holds in my mind for that reason. Nice. And honestly, I'll, I'll, I won't counter, but I'll add to your argument. Whoever is the, the detriment, if you will, of the one kind of taking over that backfield, they almost to me become a screaming buy. Um, cause I, I think Robinson is good enough to really be a three down back. I feel like people have kind of pigeonholed him into being a two down back, but I think he's probably good enough to be a three down back. And then Antonio Gibson, I am lower on Antonio Gibson than the, probably the entire universe, but everyone else in the universe seems to think he can be a three down back or be some kind of Christian McCaffrey light. And I just think that's been totally overblown, but He's still got some explosiveness and some talent. We've seen him go off in games before. And so either way, like you said, if one of them takes over that backfield, the other one, I think, becomes a buy because Robinson was either a... I don't remember if he was a late-round draft pick or he was a UDFA. And (laughs) Gibson, his contract has got to be up, and he was just a third-round pick. So either way, I think one of them could be on a new team too. If depending on who takes over. So I yeah. love this call. Thank you. Even though I hate, but that's <laughs> yeah. okay. I'm yeah. going to go first on sleepers because I don't want mm-hmm. you to snipe me. And I think this is really mm-hmm. sneaky. I'm going mm-hmm. Daniel Bellinger for my sleeper. 
Okay. Um, and that is because of what we talked about with Darren Waller earlier. If Darren Waller goes down with injury, which he has been prone to do in his career, Daniel Bellinger, we've seen produce at a level that has been good enough to get you fantasy production from the tight end spot. And that is why you are in a dynasty league. I would go throw a third or a fourth round rookie pick at whoever has Daniel Bellinger if he's not on waivers and go grab him, especially if you're the Darren Waller. If you are the Darren Waller owner, you absolutely must get Daniel Bellinger on your roster. Yeah, I love it. I, I was high on Bellinger to start with, so I was given, I was kind of wondering why the Giants went, uh, signed, went and got uh, Waller when I felt like their biggest yeah. need was wide receiver. So I like Bellinger. I said he showed me enough last year just to make me think that he was a player. And so I guess it, in the long run, Waller couldn't really help his development. You're learning from, you know, a great tight end. So, but I, I definitely, I agree with you. I think that he comes in and he's, He's going to be a player's significance if, if and when anything does happen to, to Waller. So I love the call. He was not on my, I have three listed. He was not on a list, but he's absolutely worthy, absolutely worthy of, 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 of being on this list, in my opinion. So he's as good as anyone I have. So nice one. Thank you. So, yep. So I had, I had Hal, who we talked about. How um, is going to be my other one, honestly. Yep. And I'll have, also I'll give you the two others that I had. And one of them is from your Dallas Cowboys. And it, it's, it, it's same position. It's Jake Ferguson. So, okay, uh, he, I like that. and it's just because it's a, it's a volume thing for me. I, I, you, you lost, you lost Dawson Schultz there, Dalton Schultz there. So now you have somebody that needs to come in and step in. Now I know they drafted, was it Schoenmacher? Schoenmacher from Michigan, the second round. And he's he's a, he's a good good player, but I, I rookie tight ends usually take a while to develop. Pingo. and and uh, Ferguson, yeah, and Ferguson knows the offense, and he's got great hands. He's a, he he catches the football as well as anybody. The only the only downside is that he's kind of slow for, as far as tight ends go. So I don't know that he's going to ever be an elite tight end, and it's, it's not I don't he's not going to be a guy that's going to ever have a prayer of being you know a, a high end cute tight end one. He could, you know, kind of fall into that back end tight end one if he gets enough volume. So, but I think he's got considering the end zone a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. And so considering where he's going, which is like he pretty much undrafted or super late, even in best ball leagues, I, I think he's definitely, a, fits the definition of a sleeper. And the other one I have is going in the same area of the draft and that's Paris Campbell. So we're, so we're all, nice. we're talking about one. Yeah. We're talking about Wandale Robinson, right? We're talking about some of these other guys, Jalen Hyatt's getting a lot of yeah. a buzz. He's a rookie, but Paris Campbell, if you recall at one point was a prime, a premier prospect. He, he yeah. was a, Dude, his guard is one of the healthy. Yeah. That's the thing. He can't stay healthy. So, but he, to me, I mean, the Giants today came out that are looking at giving him snaps of running back too, which I thought was interesting. So they're looking at using him in multiple ways. He can play in the slot, which I think he'll probably, I think him, I think he and Wandale will both play in the slot. I think he, like he can play out wide. I think he can do a lot of things in that offense. I think that people are overlooking Paris Campbell and if they don't have a true wide receiver one. But I think if, if every, you look at the, the best case scenario for every wide receiver that the Giants have, and to me, you look at them all, and I think that part of the one with the high ceiling is you can make a case for Wandale, but for me, it's Paris Campbell. If he stays healthy, then he, then I think he could easily have, you know, kind of like a, a season like Devontae Parker did out of nowhere, where everyone kind of gave up on him. Remember, he was a he was a prime prospect also, and he was a headache for years and years. People just kind of wrote him off, and then he came out of nowhere yeah. with this monster. Yeah. <laughs> He's still hanging around. So, but I, I just, I kind of feel like that Campbell is capable of kind of, Pulling one of those out of the blue kind of years, which, you know, those outlier seasons, you don't like betting on outliers, but given the price of where you're getting him, to me, it's a worthy flyer. You know, if you hadn't brought up Devontae Parker, I would have given you a real prop for Paris Campbell. I liked that a lot until you brought up Devontae Parker. I can't stand that guy, dude. Do you know the only reason that he broke out? It Why is that? Literally every other receiver on the Dolphins was hurt that year. Preston mm -hmm. Williams got hurt. I think they had Albert Wilson at that point. He got hurt. I don't even remember who else they had. Basically, the only two people that they, like, even their running backs were hurt. I think they were down to Patrick Laird at one point. Mm -hmm. Literally, the only people that they had to throw to were Devontae Parker and Mike Kosicki. And everyone uh -huh. is like, oh, Devontae Parker's back. I'm like, no. He literally had no one else to throw to. 
Who else did you want him to throw to? The coach on the sideline? Like, all right. Well, it's funny you bring that up. So let's just take the quick spin to the Giants wide receiving core. You have Wandale Robinson, who's coming off of a major knee injury. You have Sterling Shepard, who can't stay healthy if, you know, if, if it was, if Shepard's still in the league. Like, it I don't know either. Yeah. So, but yeah, but he, he, those two guys are, are major injury question marks. And Darius Slayton isn't, isn't exactly a guy that's, you know, he's not exactly Iron Man. And, and then you have the rookie, Jalen Wyatt, who, you know, he's got to prove a lot to get on, to get on the field. And, you know, and, and really we don't know what he is. So you look at that and there's nobody, there's no major obstacle in the way of Paris Campbell if he asserts himself uh, coming in and playing a major role. on Paris Campbell. I agreed with you on that part. It was just a Devontae <laughs> Yeah. So I just no. I think there's a little parallel there in that in this in the situations too. No, so, totally. Yeah. And I think I think the difference I'll, where I'll give you even more credit with Campbell is like Campbell to me like he's kind of been I think pegged as like a slot receiver typically. Um mm-hmm. and I think like you said he can play kind of all around, but when he's got the ball on his hand, he's just so explosive. Mm-hmm. And and that's where for me I think he differs from Parker. Like Parker like he was just catching everything that was thrown at him because he had no other choice and again no one else to throw to whereas if you like you can use Paris Campbell in this offense as a weapon if <laughs> Wandale Robinson goes down because he gets re-injured you can plug him into the role if Jalen Hyatt is a question mark or takes a little while to develop into that X receiver role where I think he'd probably be better suited Paris Campbell can go fill that role if you want to use him as a gadget player running jet sweeps and running them out of the backfield and different things like that. Paris Campbell can do that. And that's where I think like your points added with that make him absolutely phenomenal pick. Thank you. Yeah. And that's the thing too, when you're looking at game planning perspectives, when you have an explosive player like that who can do so many different things, you know, he week to week he can hurt you from a number of different positions in the lineup depending on who who the you know who the opposing corners are and things like that. So I I, I think I think he's definitely a guy that's being stuffed on way too much for so I'm not I'm not saying he needs to be you know, he's not gonna be a, a, a weekly start or anything like that, but I think I just think that he's for the true definition of a sleeper. Yeah. Go buy him now again for probably a third round pick. And you'll probably get him if he's not on waivers. Like there's a chance he's on waivers, maybe. So, all right, cool, man. Well, that wraps up our conversation about who we're buying, who we're selling, holding, and who we think are sleepers. Are you ready for the hardest part of the interview where you have to talk about yourself? Yes. All right. Here we go. So, we're going to jump into our. Analyst analysis. Thank you, Jake Perry. All right. So when did you start playing fantasy football? I'd say mid-90s, probably. I'm, 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 I've been around for a very long time. So but I, the first trade that I can remember was I traded away Ricky Waters in, in a league with a lot of Eagles fans in it. And I got Brett Favre back. And that was back when, when it was mostly touchdowns only. So uh-huh. you get... Three points for passing, six points for rushing, receiving. So, so quarterbacks who threw for a lot of touchdowns were more valuable. Of course, guys, the ones who were, who ran for touchdowns as well. You know, people like Jamal Williams last year would have been, you know, MVPs in league winners. Yeah, no kidding. Guys like Zach Crockett were like, you know, I think he had like 10 or 11 or 12 touchdowns one year. So he was like a stud that year. But, but yeah, that's, so it's a much different game back then. It's just been fun to watch it evolve ever since over time at all these different cool formats that we enjoyed it in. Very cool. Okay, I don't mean to either make you feel old or offend you, but how old are you? I'm in my, I'm in my, I'll say I'm in my mid to late forties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, and then what made you start to produce content for fantasy football? Just the love of the game, really, and the passion for writing. So those are two things that have been constant for me. I've always liked to write, and I've always loved sports and football. So that, that's just kind of been a natural marriage of those two things, and here we are. Nice. Do you have a favorite type of content to produce? Is it writing? Yeah, I mean, writing is really kind of what comes naturally to me, but I've been doing a little bit more with podcasting and co-hosting and being guest appearances like we're doing now. So I enjoy that as well. I was on a radio show in college, so that was my first time of being in front of a microphone. So that's that's kind of a natural, I guess a little bit of a natural outgrowth there too. But, uh, but yeah, mostly writing. I also do the, enjoy the podcasting as well, for sure. So. Very cool. All right, and then what's your favorite type of league to play in? Oh, I really like them all. So I kind of, 
Superflex Dynasty is great, and but I kind of have to put a cap on how many leagues that I'm in. With I've got four kids, so their dynasty leagues are time consuming and they're year round. So I've I have had to step away from quite a bit of them, a number of them actually. So I'm I'm in one dynasty startup now that's IDP that I'm doing with people that I've that really helped me cut my teeth in the fantasy football industry. So I mean, it's just it's kind of a cool thing to to do that with them. And I haven't, I haven't been in an IDP league in probably a decade and a half. So it's, it's nice to be able to get back into that. So I've, I let go of a bunch of them, added only one. So it's still a, a, a net negative, which, I, I, which works for me. So I'm actually doing a lot of best ball leagues, especially charity leagues. And I love those. So anything that's for a good cause where you can do drafts, which is for me is the, probably the most fun part of fantasy. I love managing lineups too. And trades are fun, but the draft is to me the most fun of all. And uh, the guillotine leagues are fun. Vampire League, I did one of those. That was a blast. I'm not sure if you've done a Vampire League, but that's did, that's phenomenal. I did a Zombie League last year. Okay. Okay. So Jeff Lambert, who I think is actually who mm-hmm. we met through um, yep. in our, our group chat, he he did a Zombie League as kind of a test last year where it was similar to a Vampire League, but you had a zombie and they were infected. And then if they beat whoever whoever they were playing, then that person was infected too, and they people could then take people off their rosters. So it was it was a lot of fun. Oh wow! Ray Lewis the third, Ray Lewis's son, died at twenty eight years old. Oh jeez, that's all. Awesome. Got that notification from ESPN. Okay. Hmm. I'll get this part out, but that's really sad. Yeah. So okay. But that's that was kind of the the point of a zombie league. It was a ton of fun. I actually kicked butt in it. It included IDP, and then kicked butt all throughout the regular season, and then ran into some lineup mismanagement with bye weeks with my IDP players and a couple other players, and it ended up. I think I lost in the semifinals, but oh well. Yeah, um, yeah. So those are yeah, those are online. I like keeper leagues too a lot. There's some of the my favorite format for for that was you keep up the two players. And there's an auction every three years. So you have an auction year, whatever, it's total reset. You have an auction. And then after the following two years, you can keep any player on your roster and uh, you forego a second round pick for the first player and your first round pick for the second player. So there's a little strategy there. So just kind of cool. I like that a lot. I really enjoy that format. So that's my favorite. I could probably, the of all the ones that I'm, I'm in presently, I think that's my favorite format because it's kind of, it's a nice little blend of, of you know, redraft with, with auction and, and a little hint of dynasty. So it kind of had a little flavor of lots of different kind of things in there. So, all right. This one is probably the easiest question. Favorite NFL team? Ah, well, I mean, it's the Philadelphia Eagles for me. So that and whoever plays the Dallas Cowboys. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Putting that in as your answer in the sheet. All right. And then this is possibly the most difficult question. Who is your favorite offensive player right now and all time? Right now, it's Jalen Hurts. I mean, I, I, we talked. You talked about all the reasons why, as an Auburn fan, that you really like and respect him. And he's all, he's my my team's quarterback one, and he's just been nothing but phenomenal. So, and also on a personal level too, I was fortunate enough to cover the Super Bowl week for QB List. They went. I had credentials to go to the Super Bowl and yeah. covered to Radio Row and and got to go to some of the Eagles. Probably went to the Eagles press conference, the last one before the Super Bowl. Did not expect to get the mic in a full, room full of national media. And I did get to Mike, lo and behold, and I was able to ask him a couple of questions, which is phenomenal. And he was great. So I asked him who on the other side of the ball, to, he credits with helping him raise his game. And I said, also, my five-year-old wants to know who's your favorite Philadelphia Phil. And he chuckled, went into this whole minute-long diatribe about how, how much he loves Bryce Harper and how much he respects him. And then came back with the whole Slay and Bradbury, you know, raising the level of his play by battling with the receivers so well and making it tough on him. So, and that was another, as an Eagles fan, his watching them bring Slay and Bradbury back make me even more excited for Hertz this year. So I would say Hertz presently and then all time. I mean, growing up, Mike Quick was my, one of my favorite in the backyard. I want to be Mike Quick when you play football kind of a thing. Yeah. And then it was Bo Jackson. <laughs> Bo Jackson was the man. Mm-hmm. And then for, from a fantasy perspective, I had, I guess, Larry Fitzgerald and, and Adrian Peterson won me a lot of titles. So I kind of respect taking my hat off to them as well. But I, for me, it's Hurts, Mike Quick, Bo Jackson. So nice. I, yeah. you know, I can respect the Bo Jackson call. So, yeah. all right. And then favorite defensive player right now and all time. 
Oh, right now, he's still in the league, so I'm going with Brandon Graham, the, the author of the Super Bowl 52 strip sack. So fun story. My my in-laws are huge Michigan people. My mother-in-law, my father-in-law both went to Michigan. So my mother-in-law came and stayed with us when we had our, our my young my youngest son was born six days before the Super Bowl. Oh, wow. So she came and stayed with us. And uh, and I said, well, you know, I have to, I'm paid to break this team, but I have to root for Tom Brady, some Michigan person. I was like, no, 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 Brandon Graham went to Michigan. You should, you got to root for him. I almost, and uh, lo and behold, he had the strip sack of Brady. It was, le- it was legendary stuff. So kind of like calling the shot there because I told her he's going to make a big play and lo and behold, he did. So for that, he's forever my favorite player. So he, he heard on defensive side of the ball. And uh, he would be all be my all-time favorite if it wasn't for Brian Dawkins. I'm also a Clemson fan. So he, you talk about Eagles and Clemson and the same thing. He's the only Clemson player in the hall, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And he was my absolute favorite player to watch with the only possible exception growing up of Reggie White. So, awesome. I love that. Yeah. Okay, side note, why are you a Clemson fan? Well, I, I grew up in this area, but I also spent four years in South Carolina in my formative years, so my grade school years, second through fifth grades, I lived in South Carolina. And down there, you had to pick Carolina or Clemson, and there was yeah. no middle ground. So yeah. I picked Clemson, and like I mentioned, I'm old. They ended up winning the national championship while I was down there for the very first time. Nice. So, you know, there we go, and then here we are. So so I'm, I'm Phillies, Eagles, Sixers, Flyers, Clemson. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of that. So, Well, yeah. I mean, to your defense, well, I guess there's Penn State. But they're not really. Yeah, Penn State's pretty big around here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're not really Philly yeah. though. Villanova's in Philly, yeah. right? Yeah, they're not really. They're one double A. I mean, or one yeah. FBS. So University of Delaware in my backyard, they play. They're Villanova's biggest rivals as yeah. far as from, from a football perspective. So Michael Westbrook, or excuse me, Brian Westbrook, lit, many many years ago lit up University of Delaware. Nice. Uh, Joe Flacco many many years ago lit up Villanova. <laughs> <Flacco laughs> Delaware, if I remember. That's right. Yep, that's correctly. Nasir Adderley, who just who played on the. Packers recently. He was yeah. a Delaware guy too, but he he's just stepped away recently from the game. But, uh, but yeah, so but yeah, so Penn, I think Penn State's probably the the biggest college team around here. People are college isn't as big here as it is in other places. It's huge in the Midwest, and it's even it's massive in the South, as oh, you know, as an Auburn fan. It's yeah, yeah. it's it's everything in the South. They didn't really care. They, now they do more more, but they didn't care about pro football at all when I lived there. So no, they, they I yeah. mean in Alabama, where I'm originally from, they. They definitely don't care about pro football nearly as much in South Carolina now. And they care about it a little more here, but it's still mainly Clemson and Carolina. Mm-hmm. So, no, totally understand what you're what you're speaking and, and laying down there. Yeah. So, favorite sport for you that's not football, what is it? It's baseball. I, I, I was the kid growing up who would read the backs of the baseball cards. Like, <laughs> I enjoyed that. It got me into statistics. So, I'm... I would play the Stratomatic games and I would keep score and then I would figure out the batting average and the slugging percentage and the OBP as a grade school kid. So I've always loved numbers and baseball's kind of been the gateway into that for, for what we're doing now. But I played I played it up into high school. I coached it. I'm still coaching and now I should just finish the season coaching six, six seven and eight-year-olds right now, which is a lot of fun. So I used to coach the the middle school team at, the, at a local school as well. But uh, so... I I just enjoy, I enjoy baseball. It's a it's a fun sport. A lot of strategy involved. So, but so my, I, it's cool to just put a game on, kick back, and relax. It's fun fun experience to go to a game with a bunch of people. So it's not for everybody, but but I've always had a soft spot for baseball. So my favorite player is actually on your favorite team. Okay, and that is Kyle Schwarber. Ah, okay, yeah. Oh, I'm a I'm a Cubs fan. I nice. absolutely fell in love with Kyle Schwarber while he was there, and I, I can't quit him. So I am still a Kyle Schwarber fan, but definitely still a Cubs fan at heart. So. Well, we love him here. My One of my kids has a Schwarber shirt, and uh, he's, there's a few from the Philadelphia area. You know, Wawa, they have the Schwarber bombs, the, 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 the promotion that they started. And then he went on an absolute tear after that, just, just crushing bombs. Wait, so they, they actually Schwarber bombs? Schwarber bombs. Oh, Schwarber bombs. Okay. I've been calling yeah, him Schwarber yeah. bombs since he was a Cubs. So yeah. I was like, oh, they yeah. stole my line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. So, and then they, so they, and they brought it back during the playoffs and they just started, he caught fire again, which is a lot of fun. So, but yeah, he's, he's well loved around here too. It's just great. So he's, he's a lot of fun. Cool. All right. Last question for you, man. What is one thing that you want people to know about you outside of fantasy football? Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, I just, I think I kind of put a uh, put it out there as I coach. I, I like working with kids. I, it's it's 
kids are our future. So, you know, love the ones you got and spend time with them and uh, do what you can in the community to affect the, let you, the youth in your community in a positive way. I, I, that's what Scott Fishbowl is all about. I'm excited to be a part of that this year. So uh, that's that's it. Just, you know, that's kind of where we're at. I, I, I'm a, I've been a teacher now for a long time as my my primary gig for a long time. And that's a calling. And it, it's kind of, it's all about, you know, helping young people grow and develop. So I absolutely love that, man. I mean, I think we, we, you mentioned it. You got four kids. I got three kids. So, mm-hmm. um, and I wanted to be a, a coach as well. And so I definitely appreciate your perspective on that. And I'm happy that you are in Scott Fishbowl to help, you know, birth the cause as they do the annual donation. So, all right, my friend, that wraps up the show. Uh, before we head out of here, where can people find you on Twitter? And is there anything that you would particularly like to plug? Sure. So I'm on Twitter at Drew Delaware. So yeah, give me a follow if you're not following already. A lot of great stuff. So I write, I'm the writing for QB list. So we, I'm a part of that sit start team that's theirs. We do lineup advice for every game comes out every week. We try to avoid hot takey things, just stuff, stuff that's going to be actionable and help you out. What we saw that that's a, when we do that post game analysis there that goes beyond the fantasy. It's I'm really proud of the work that the guys do on that. It's fantastic. A lot of great data baked in there from Next Gen Stats, a bunch of other sources. So and I'm I'm been I'm on the podcast for that. So I'll be a co-host of that going forward. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Also, Fantasy Pros. I'm a, I was a top ten ranking, like you mentioned. I was number seven last year. Hoping to keep that going this year. So top for me, top three. If it was number one one week, number two another week. So hoping to repeat that success this year just published my 2023 draft rankings today there. So they're now live. So I want to get my projections done first before I put something out there that I wasn't confident. So I just dropped them today. So check them out. I'll be tweaking them as the off season goes. We get player movement and everything else, injuries. They'll be keeping up with those. And then Dynasty, I'll be updating those rankings in the the coming days. So, and then of course, I'll be doing the Scott Fishbowl live draft this year in Philly, Xfinity live with yeah, so it's a great it's a great spot by Lincoln Financial Field and Citizens Bank Park. It's right across the street from one right next to the other. So that's June eighth or excuse me, July eighth. And I'll be drafting out a six spot in the John's Roast Pork League. So nice. check us out. A lot of a lot of amazing things. I'm kinda privy to some details that are coming out. It's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be a lot of great stuff happening there. So keep keep that on your radar from the Philadelphia area. Come check us out. Awesome, man. That is great. And like I said, I really appreciate you coming on, even though you're an Eagles fan. This was a great show. <laughs> I had a ton of fun. Hope you did too. And yeah. thank you guys for listening. Couldn't do this without you guys. I've been trying to th- remember to thank you guys more often because again, couldn't do this without you. The support that you guys give me through listening to the show, but then also support through Polly's Playoff and anything like that. I, I greatly appreciate that. And so this is my reminder. Polly's Playoff Year 4 is up and running. It is a tournament to end Alzheimer's. You can go to register and donate at pollysplayoff.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at FFShaneB. My pinned tweet is about Polly's Playoff. You can follow the show at FFRZRedemption. And this is Red Zone Redemption, where we help you make the moves to redeem your fantasy season.